Hi, and welcome to The Spoil Voters, a podcast based around the 2020 general election and the fallout after as we prepare for life under the 33rd dawn. Fine Gael and Fianna fall together in government. No one will join. I hope that wasn't recorded. That was an election that went absolutely atrociously for the two big parties. It's paying lip service to certain issues. Prats and Labour, the LSD the coalition. Hello and welcome to the Spoiled Voter podcast with me, Callum Atkinson. I'm joined today by our regulars, Ty McNally and Shane Brennan. And yep. uh, there's only one, one story in town this week on the political front, and that is the policy framework document that was agreed between Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael. What was your initial reaction to it, lads? Um, I suppose it was, I, I think my initial reaction was something of a bit muted because I think with everything going on at the moment, it's kind of in the back of people's minds here that this, this government being formed is not really on the fore, considering we have a global pandemic sort of rocking the, the world and especially our country. So it was kind of, it, it didn't hit any of the front pages, I think, straight away. But I mean, with looking at the document, you have to be kind of underwhelmed at like the what's in it. I mean, like not not the, the content of it as much, but like it took them how many weeks to get that out, and it's very very bare bones. There's sort of nothing really shocking in there that anybody wasn't really expecting. They're going to work towards implementing slanted care. Um, they're going to build more houses. They're going to try and rebuild the economy after this. I mean. There's a, there is a lot of uh, there's also a lot of buzzwords in it as well. Like I think the new social contract is one of those things that is just kind of something that they're going to keep throwing out um, to try and draw in people. But I mean, what does it mean? What does it really mean? Like you know, I mean, on your point, Ty, you can't be underwhelmed by the content in it because there is no content in it. Mm. All everything here is just PR speak that's been carbon copied from something that's happened in Britain or America. The new social contract, that's the same as the contract with America. The new, the new Green Deal. The 90s. Another great one. New Green Deal. Definitely not a, a carbon copy of the Green New Deal. Um, I mean, you look at the, the 10 new missions for the government, and I've read each one separately as well. And there are a couple of interesting points in, in um, the fact that one of the Citizens Assembly established for a couple of things. And there is some solid points there, but it's barely anything. And mm. the Social Democrats, Labour, Green Party, the ones that are trying to court are all like, where are your costings for all of these things? Because you can't cost for vagaries. Mm-hmm. There is, I mean, when, like, when, you, when you... We look at something like, uh, on the, under the universal healthcare section, we, my group for Newsdays worked out, did a lot of work on uh, look, looking at the healthcare sector. And one of the things that we were told every single time that we spoke to a consultant or a doctor, we were told that, to solve these waiting list issues, we need more beds and we need more consultants. And these are two things that are put in, but there's no sort of costings or anything for this. But this is something we were told over and over again. And it seems like they're only finally getting this message now that was being shouted for years. Um, and it's just, it's bizarre to me that they're coming out now after a general election that went absolutely atrociously for the two big parties. And they're coming out with these sort of statements. But it's, it's not only that. It's, they come out with these statements that they need more, but there are no numbers. Mm-hmm. All of these experts who are calling to have numbers, to have this is what we want, is exactly what we need. And there's costings for that. In manifestos, there was numbers and costings for that. So manifestos before, an ele- before elections 
they seem to be okay with having costings, having numbers, having statistics and facts and something that's solid. But everything yeah. here is so vague is we, we will have more beds. What, two more beds or 20,000 more beds? Where, like, mm-hmm. where are you going with this? It's, it's, and it's incredibly vague. And I think it's deliberately so to try and, because, you know, you need, you know, you, you can have a Supreme Court look at this and they can to try and interpret this. It's an incredibly vague document. As, long, mm-hmm. as much as it is 24 pages, it's 24 pages of waffle, mostly. There are some points in there, but as I said, it's not making front pages because, you know, what's the news in there? Well, uh, Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil have reached a start document, but incredibly vague and waiting for a centre-left party to try and um, come in before more solid numbers can be put down. These I two re- parties claim, claim that they have, uh, this, <laughs> I'll let you in after this, like, claim to have the mandate, you know, Look at their manifestos. There wasn't a massive gap in numbers and what they want. Put something forward that, that we can work on instead of just words. And what I think is really funny about this whole thing is that even with how similar Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael have been for years, um, especially regarding the manifestos in the most recent election, is that the likes of the, the backbenchers and grassroots are still going to be really, really unwilling within both parties to even consider going into government with one another. I think that's it's just, it's so bizarre that these sort of roots grow so deep that the, 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 just the distrust between these two parties is still visible. I, like, you look at what Eamon O'Queen has been saying, and he's still really, really sceptical about the whole thing. He is complete, he seems to be completely against it, and he's probably the most high-profile um, Fianna Fáil TD who has come out against this deal. I think he had, um, there's a front page on the, I think it was the Mail, um, where O'Keeve like like went completely against against this document. Yeah, I I think that is the the worry of a lot of people who would have to commit to this. Obviously, you know, some Fianna Fáil members and obviously Fine Gael members as well, but also the other parties. The ve- like you both of you have said, the vagaries are incredible already. They talk they talk about a new Green Deal. Which obviously is, you know, aiming towards the Green Party. They talk then they talk talk about setting new carbon reduction targets. There's no mention of what they are. Um, sure, our targets have already been set. We have to and, hit these. We have to hit targets. The, there's targets uh, there that have been set. And also, I think the 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 I think it's the ninth mission uh, of their ten missions is uh, the heading is a shared island, which I think it it. It's symptomatic of the whole document. It's it's paying lip service to certain issues without actually, uh, you know, delving into them deeply. Uh, but uh, I'll go back to what you said, Ty. I think it's interesting. Uh, young Fine Gael, for what it's worth, and uh, Ogre Fianna Fáil, for what it's worth, have both um, <laughs> been quite against this... Um, this uh, proposal. So, uh, do you think the memberships of each party will actually approve it? I mean, again, you look at what's what's going on within Fianna Fáil at the moment, and we have Michal Martin going. I don't know if he's saying he doesn't know if they can have a postal vote to um, to bring in this document if they work on a program for government together. So, what happens then? Can can Fianna Fáil constitutionally within their own party constitution? go into a coalition without consulting the membership. And this is something I'm, I'm really curious about because they need like they need at least half of the membership to agree to it to go in 
and then you look at the labor the labor election that was held during um, this time and that was all done by postal votes and they had one person in a room counting about two thousand votes and it took them all day how long would it take to count a, a far a far far more a far larger amount of votes like how long would that take especially for like going into a coalition like that is going to take hours and for only like one or two people to be doing it i i, I think it's going to be it'll be bizarre just, to like watch that happen yeah and just just on your question about party mem about the party membership column um we've does it's been said many times that there isn't a huge difference between Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael. And it's true. I mean, if, if you look at, at any other country in Europe and the two big parties, there is a, a larger ideological difference between the two main parties that would have dominated the state previously. But one big, big um, difference, I, in, in my view, is culture. Not necessarily policy, not necessarily numbers and ideology. It's the culture of why you are in politics, who you are, what your, your tribe is, and what you believe in. Now, during the election, Fianna Fáil lied by saying that we will not go into in coalition with Sinn Féin or Fine Gael. Confident enough that they would get enough seats to bring in the three centre-left parties with them and create a coalition that way. We may be a couple of independents. That's the, the, their way of going into it. That didn't work out. They could have, and what's happening now is you see the divide within Fianna Fáil between the um, neoliberals who would more prefer going in with Sinn Féin and the Republicans who are sorry neoliberals who more prefer going with Fine Gael apologies and the Republican side because you know Fine Fáil is still the Republican party as Eamon O'Keeve would say the grandson of, of um, Eamon de Valera they still have national unity at heart that is you know part of the cultural difference between Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael which the greenness of and I don't mean a, a, like ecologically green I mean Republican green so you can see the difference between the Republicans and the neoliberals arising in Fianna Fáil. One of the reasons why I don't think that Fianna Fáil want to have this positive vote and use any excuse they can is because they don't want to, you know, those at the head are quite happy just to go into the coalition, get the government done, get their ministerial positions back. And they don't want the division within their own party being exposed. On the, on the other hand, Fine Gael, as much as we as many have criticised their position to Sinn Féin, they said we will not go into government with Sinn Féin and we will go into Fianna Fáil as a last ditch. And it seems like it is a last ditch because every other thing has worked out. So at least they are telling the truth. It is surprising that young Fine Gael uh, voted uh, against the, the proposals. Not really. But, you know, from their point of view, if, they, if it's so bad for them to have Sinn Féin in power, this is the only way forward. And I think that, that the, the, the older membership Will follow through with that. Whereas Fianna Fáil, I think, are a lot more divided between whether they're being pulled, you know, as typical with a big tent party, whether they're being pulled to the left of Sinn Féin or being pulled to the right with um, with Fine Gael. And that's a consequence of their position of trying to keep themselves with the centre left grouping and build up seats thinking that they would gain popularity when in fact they lost it um, for various reasons. So uh, that's why I think. That they're not going to go ahead with this postal vote for anything. They're going to try to stop it because they don't want to be seen as a divided party. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the uh, key th things is, or one of the key things I think anyway is the Michal Martin um, like uh, storyline. Like he was expected to, I wouldn't say romp home in the election, but he was expected to do very well and 
be going into government. He was talking to, the, the the main reason why he committed to not go in with Sinn Féin or Fine Gael was because he assumed he was going to get around 60 seats and he could get a smaller party and independence in with him. But, um, and I, it's, it's, it's a bit, I don't know how to describe it, but the last two months, Michal Martin has been doing everything to become a Taoiseach as he doesn't want to go down as the only Fianna Fáil leader not to have become Taoiseach. I think that the, that personal story is an interesting element. Um, just then, going on to the other parties, obviously, the, the document is clearly making overtures to the other parties. Um, I saw Richard Boyd Barrett was talking about, was imploring the other parties not to he, he described as progressive cover. Don't give progressive cover to Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael by going into government with them. What, how, do, how do you see this? I know all the parties have said they'll, they'll look at the document. They want more information. How, how, do you, how do you think it'll all play out? I mean, um, I'll let you go first. I, uh, my, my sort of view on it is that I don't see any other option at the moment. I mean, I can't, I can't see a, center, a sort of a left-wing alliance forming like was plotted early after the, after the election. I just can't see it. But what if if this sort of plan fails for for Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil? What other options are there? There isn't really any. I mean, I suppose the next one, the only thing else I suppose would be Fianna Fáil going into government with Sinn Féin. And again, I don't think Michal Martin would want that. There would need to be a heave. I think if if Fianna Fáil were to go into government with Sinn Féin, there would need to be a serious sort of shift in the way that party is run. The leadership would need to change because I don't, because I can see, I can see absolutely Michal Martin going in with Leo Varadkar, but I can't see uh, Michal Martin sharing power with Mary Lou McDonald. I just can't see it. Like it's just not something I can picture. I think there would have to be a big shift in that party to to allow something like that to happen, like that, like that to happen. But for now, I, I really I really can't see any other alternative to this document. There needs there would need to be a smaller party in there, or maybe two two of the smaller parties. Like I, I think I, I mentioned I, I would have thought like if any two parties go in, you could maybe see Labour and the Social Democrats going in to fulfil the twelve seats that uh, the Greens have um, to make up a majority, completely cutting out independence entirely. Um, because independents are kind of wishy-washy sometimes and they, they can sort of upturn things like I know I'd imagine Fine Gael are quite uh, wary of independence after uh, their dealings with uh, the likes of Shane Ross and the independent alliance over the past few years so I can imagine that happening or again the Greens going in if they can manage to yeah. muster up support of the grassroots which I would be really really surprised at this stage. Yeah. I, I know you, you uh, an episode went out yesterday you talked to uh, Green Party councillor, yes. and there's been there's been uh, you know headlines this week that uh, all isn't well within the leadership. Eamon Ryan being accused of leaking to the press. Yes. Um, what sense did you get from um, the the Green Party um, about their you know possibilities of them actually going into government? Well, I mean, when I spoke to Daniel yesterday, Daniel Willey, I got the impression that he in particular. It's not a fan of the idea of a coalition between Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil and the Greens. He said it outright. But I think that there, like he, he mentioned to me that there is sort of a mixture between 
the old guard of the early 2000s and then there's the, these sort of newer um newer party members coming in and i think that that's because the green party realistically at the moment is a very young party there's a lot of youth activists coming in over the past few years who are would be fairly staunchly against the two sort of center centrist parties who have ruled the country for the last 100 years so and the way the greens constitution works surrounding um surrounding going into government they need a two-thirds majority to even pass the motion to go into a coalition and with the current makeup of the party i would be very very surprised to see that happen um and on aim and ryan um, I'm not too sure. I, th I know there had that, that sort of has been floating about the press at the moment, and I think he, he has apologised to the party, um, at least from reading uh, bits and pieces that he has apologised to the party for doing stuff like that. But again, I don't know. They have to have a leadership election within six months, but there's no telling yet whether or not someone's going to run against them. Yeah, the um, it, it is really weird. It's, it seems like after this Easter period, the Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael are looking for their 12 apostles. Uh, whether that be the Greens or whether that be the Social Democrats and Labour, the LSD coalition uh, coming in. AK-47 at the head. AK-47 at the head. We're not really sure. But, um, I mean, if this was a normal time and the economy was still chugging away as it was, it would be easier for those smaller parties to accept. But I was listening to um, Dan O'Brien, the Chief Economist at the Institute of International and European Affairs. Um, on the Matt Cooper show he was on a couple of days ago. I listened to it, uh, to it yesterday. Uh, and I've also read some other bits about uh, that he put in Sunday Independent and other economists as well. Stating the fact that after the 2008 recession, we went from having, we quintupled our debt to about 200 billion. We're still at, give or take, about 200 billion. And obviously now we're borrowing more. Um, and the, the fact of the matter is that this policy document has put out all these you know, things they want to do, promises they want to make. But we're not heading into good economic times over, over at the very least the next 12 months. Uh, and there will come a time where borrowing to try and pay for things that the state might have to stop and some measures might have to be taken in. Now, the way the Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil works is, especially if, if you look at, at the past in the last nine years, it was mentioned uh, Rory Carberry when he was on a couple of weeks ago, so they said it's just sort of, modus operandum that that's that they're not gonna their instincts aren't to you know tax companies tax rich people whatever it's austerity it's pro-business austerity measures things like that to try and reboot the economy and we've seen that that hasn't quite worked with uh with um with with, with things like healthcare and housing at the moment so why would a smaller party want to jump into that it's very difficult yeah. for, for them to be to be, be persuaded the Greens, I think, are the only ones who might be persuaded because their main issue is something so pressing and so immediate, and that is climate change. Labour and Social Democrats, I don't see them uh, hopping in as quickly as the Greens, as much as the Greens might find it hard to, uh, to attract their own base. So again, it's still, we're, get, we're getting close to a government, but not close enough. Yeah, I think, I think it's interesting what you say there about, you know, how the economic uh, response and what's going to happen in the next uh, few years because uh, one of the interesting lines in the document uh about their, their talk the the mission is reigniting and renewing the economy one of the points is there will be no increase in income taxes 
and no cuts to established social welfare rates. I know we've we've been saying um, you know, there's no detail in it, but I they I find it strange that they're able to commit to such a measure uh, at like at this time of all times. But it'll be interesting to see if they actually would stick to that uh, if they do go in. I mean, um, one of the interesting things about the whole document is that in in the press there has been a lot of stuff going around about Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael don't want to return to the appearance of austerity. Yeah, I think that's that's the key takeaway here. It's not return to austerity is the appearance of austerity so they want to try and be as not clandestine as possible to try and sort of keep their image as well as possible and they don't want to sort of appear to be bringing in austerity politics when they might have to because we just we don't know what the state of the economy well we don't really know what the state of the economy is going to be like when this government gets into power i mean we could be down we could be down a really really poor really really bad street at the end of this but we just don't know and on the, the subject of appearance, the columnist's name escapes me, but in the Sunday Independent last week, uh, probably the first time in history that the three of us all bought the same newspaper on the same day, but that's a different topic. Historic. Um, it's, it's an, an historic, a moment of historical history. Um, but no, it, it, was, it was, there was a column that was saying that uh, Alan Kelly, was advocating that Alan Kelly now has the, the opportunity to, to, now after this crisis, to go in and fight for workers' rights, to have themselves being appeared as the Workers' Party within the government of the neo-libs central right and be fighting for workers' rights during what could be cuts in the future. Uh, and that's an, it's an interesting argument, and the Social Democrats could be chucked in with that. But then again, you've seen the last time that a centre-left party was in government. They didn't, they have, they didn't come off with the appearance Labour uh, didn't come off the appearance of fighting for workers' rights during uh, a time when cuts uh, were made. And so I don't know why, if, you're, if we're going purely on optics here, why they do it again. Again, like... Yeah. On your point there, actually, because Alan, Alan Kelly is, like, he has said before that the, the party that will, that does stuff like, oh, they go into power and they, they've been the party that does... The, goes in with other parties. And I mean, this is the time to do it, if anything, surely. Like, it's jump well, in now. I, I don't know. I think that's going to be the... I think we're going to see a lot of that over the next few weeks of people in the media talking about how, um, you know, the smaller parties, oh, they, need to, they need to join the government. They need to make a difference in government when, in reality... As Richard Boyd Barrett said, they're they're giving cover to Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael. They're, I mean, they're 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 saying that Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael are actually changing, which I I have a hard time believing because they'd have to change their habits of a lifetime. But I think I don't think any party deliberately runs in an election to go into opposition. I think they 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 write they do, like I I was listening to the Inside Politics podcast. And I think this was mentioned on it, but they they do these. They put these manifestos up so they can implement them. So surely, Labour Labour put up a manifesto, and surely they should be trying to implement. But people it. who voted for Labour, people who voted for Labour, didn't vote for a Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael coalition. People who voted for the Social Democrats certainly didn't vote for Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael. If anything, the Social Democrats was born out of Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael's neglect of public services over decades. I. I 
people, politicians and parties, they, they make their, it's easy, easy to say when, if they do decide to go into government, they say, oh, we can, we can actually make a difference in government. We can, we can, uh, you know, it's better to be in government than out of government making a difference. But they can, then they could argue, like, of course our voters don't want us to go into government with these parties. So it's, it's, it's hard to know. I just I think it's it, this this the like Shane said the next few weeks will be really interesting to look at, um, just considering who approaches them and who is sort of and what what sort of mentality within the party what what the mentality within the parties looks like in the next few weeks. Yeah. I think yeah, off what, the record conversations with journalists will be really really interesting um, to look at. What I'd love to see is at some point before small parties get involved, is a vote within Fianna Fáil in particular as to whether or not they want to go into grand coalition with Fine Gael. Because if it comes out that it is close or they don't want it, then before small parties even get involved, we could see, you know, it would be unbel- it would be interesting to see if they would shift and start looking towards Sinn Fein. Because you said, Callum, people who voted for, you know, Social Democrats, Labour, Greens didn't vote for FFFG. People who voted for Fianna Gael definitely didn't vote for any form of Sinn Féin being involved. People who voted for Fianna Fáil, we're not really sure where they lie. So it, it's 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 um so that's what I, that's what what I what I like to see so we can get a full gauge of what people actually want. Uh, whether or not the, the smaller parties will hop in because there is there there is a sort of a, a feeling that they're kind of being bullied. Left wing, um, Twitter, um observers and, and people and columnists as well as I've been sort of saying that you know the left the, the smaller left parties have, have they feel like they might be trying to be being bullied into going into government but especially with the whole crisis and all that and that's and you know, no one wants to seem like they're being bullied into anything they want to seem like they're going in with an assertion to as you say Tig, implement their policies so you don't see personally I don't see Labour or Social Democrats on their own with six seats being able to do that. Greens with 12, maybe. Social Democrats and Labour with 12, maybe. But yeah, I think it's interesting what assurances Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael can give. Like, I say, social, take the Social Democrats, for example, and the issue of salon care. And how could they structure a deal where it gives the Social Democrats, you know, the, the cover... Uh, gives them an assurance that I don't know I don't know what time, because Sancho Care it'll take a long time to implement so how can they work it so if the Social Democrats aren't happy after I don't know two years can they uh, leave government uh, if they're not happy with the progress being made because I do think the Social Democrats could make an argument to their supporters we're going into government because we uh, a single tiered healthcare system will be introduced. If we don't go in, it won't be introduced. I think that could be a powerful argument that they could make, but it's 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 hard to know how they can get the like required. They can have the required confidence that they'll actually be listened to. Uh, it is sort of uh, taken by many that if the social democrats were to go in, they'd want a, a huge chunk of the health brief. And yeah. being that that's that that care as as you know has been sort of 
attributed as sort of the, as their kind of brainchild, even though it is a cross-party thing. They've been sort of part of the leadership of that. But I, it's an interesting point, Callum, that um, that they would need to help brief. You can sort of imagine uh, Simon Harris being kept on as minister for COVID-19 and let everything else in the help brief be done by the Social Democrats. But um, And then the Greens, similarly, they have their strong topics around planning, transport, and the environment. And they could say to their uh, supporters, look, we're going into government to, um, to transform the economy based on environmental things and so on and so forth. Uh, Labour, don't really know where their main uh, selling point is for them to, to get in the government other than the fact that their party membership will probably be more likely and less young to be as so anti-FFFG as the other two parties. So that's where, where, where they lie. But it's hard, it's hard to predict. Every day we wake up and read a story where it's either they're dead against it, the next day, oh, they're open to it. So it's, 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 it's a strange one. A final word to you, Tyke. Yeah, I think what you said about uh, the Social Democrats and Sanjay Care is what I would be looking out for, uh, especially going forward um, in the next few weeks, because I think that would be a major selling point for the for the Social Democrats, if they could get in, around the conference table with Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael and go, this is what we want. We want Slaughter Care implemented within the next three, four, five, six years, within the next cycle of government or the government after. And we want significant progress made in the first two years or first three years. And if they push that sort of agenda, they can have a real impact on this. Because like at the end of the day, this sort of, the draft document, it's, it's a draft. It's not a program for government. It's a draft document framework document that doesn't really have any significant meat on it but I'd like some a small party could put their own spin on it and they could go this is what we want this is what we want and look they could again we are kind of in it we're in a political deadlock at the moment where we are without government and are likely to go without government for at least probably a month more if that if longer if not longer and I can't I can't really see anything changing until people get around a conference table and start hammering out the details. I mean, a part, someone will eventually look to talk to them and try and push their policies on this document. But who will do it first? I'm not sure. Um, it probably won't be the Labour Party anyway until they have more broad support within the parliamentary party to go into government. And I don't think that's there yet. Social Democrats, maybe. We'll just have to see. And on that point, Tyg, I think we're going to have to leave it there. Thanks to uh, you all for listening. And thanks, thanks Shane, and thanks, Tyg. And thanks to Jonathan Lynham, who uh, helped put this uh, podcast together. Uh, we look forward to talking to you again next week.